Happy Tuesday. So this week I had such a fun conversation that I really think you all will enjoy. Chef Leo Davila and I met at the San Antonio Food Festival back in the fall, and he has even helped me out on one of my cooking tip articles since then. He appeared on Food Network's Big Restaurant Bet as a contestant, so of course we had to get into the details on that. We talked about the ups and downs of his culinary career while getting into the nitty-gritty of what he plans to do in the restaurant game next. So please join me in welcoming the lovely chef, Leo Davila. So it's great to see you again as well. Yeah, you too think about the san antonio festival often because i ate insane food there so it's... <laughs> yeah it was definitely a lot of food <laughs> um a little too much i had to recover a little bit but i'm not complaining it's a good problem to have yeah i know it's always different at the end of those right like kind of when we're done or you know we send a team member to go grab some, some food you know you mm -hmm. don't realize it like you're setting up at 8 a.m and then here it is 3 p.m and you haven't had anything and maybe like two sips of water and then you start to scarf at the end and all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, like, let me, let me slow down. Like, I don't, I'm hungry, but also I'm going to be very sick if I keep eating at this rate. So yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> totally fair. I mean, you can't, I guess you can't eat your own supply. I mean, you could, but. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's always weird, you know, like with chefs and cooks, like eating our food, like, you know, we have to eat it to taste it to make sure it's right. But like kind of the joy and all that is just like letting somebody else eat it, you know, like. Like we'll snack on our stuff just as like in case, you know, somebody's getting hangry, but you know, for the most part, it's like definitely let, you know, everyone else enjoy and just kind of see their faces. Yeah. I was just talking about that the other day. Like, I feel like the joy for me and it sounds like for you as well is just the reactions that you get from the food that you yeah. cook. That must be like so satisfying yeah, for you because you normally are cooking for like big groups. You have a restaurant, all of that stuff. Yeah, it, it, it is nice. Um, you know, I never really realized like that was like the passion of it all. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times like you work on something and like you conceptualize it. Like I've been working on this dish that we just put on the menu for Lunar New Year, uh, honey mm. walnut shrimp. Ooh. And that dish was actually um, my great aunt owned four or five American style Chinese restaurants in San Antonio. Oh, and, wow. you know, I never had that dish before. And it was my culinary school graduation, you know, graduating from culinary school. We had my party there. And of course, it was kind of twofold. At that party, she announces, hey, by the way, um, your party is our last dinner service. We sold the business. And what? I was like, what? And they brought out this this platter. And it was almost just like a celebration and a feast. And I was like, what's this? And they're like, the honey walnut shrimp. And I had it. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, I've never, why have I never mm -hmm. eaten this, like, in all my life? Yeah. And then literally from when I graduated in 2016 from culinary school, I've been working on it. Uh, finally, was able to talk to my cousins and you know, it's been three, four months in the making to kind of put my own spin on it, put my own variation on it. And finally it hit the menu. And it's just great kind of walking through the restaurant or going to grab something and people are like, hey, chef, that dish is amazing or just a response online to it. So, yeah, I mean, it is it is very much just a satisfying thing to see something that we work so hard on hit the menu and then people just receive it very, very well. Did your aunt taste test it? Did you have her taste it before you she went. has not yet um <laughs> that's always like the scary part uh mm -hmm. she came into the restaurant a couple years ago for the first time and you know everybody was kind of on pins and needles and i was like let me cook the food i trust y'all but let me cook the food let me do this 
and you know just like in any true fashion i mean she she loved it and then you know uh at the end she sat me down and gave me some you know parting words of wisdom on what to correct she came in six to eight months ago again tried some of the dishes and was like you took my notes and that was it so that was kind of like the the seal of approval like okay good you know like Good. Like, and that was it. And that, that's all I needed. That's all I was looking for. So, um, so yeah, so she definitely, you know, has been a big inspiration on just like that you can do it. You know, she did it for 20, 25 years in the city and did it at a high level. And, you know, my uncle John, you know, was their cook, was their chef. My cousins, you know, Victor, Harvey, and Elaine worked in the restaurants and did their thing. So, you know, it's just cool to kind of, for them to come and support me on this. And they're just like, Hey, we understand, we get it. Just keep pushing. You're doing great things. So, you know, it's always good to have that. I mean, and I have an amazing family and amazing support system. So, I mean, I I'm, I'm blessed in that regard. Yeah. That's interesting. She sounds like the Gordon Ramsay of San Antonio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's very, you know, she, you know, my aunt is, you know, Chinese through and through and she very much is very blunt, very matter of fact, very, doesn't sugarcoat anything. Um, you know, the first time she came in, she talked about my rice and, you know, she's like, there's this saying, I don't know it in English, but there's a saying in Chinese. And basically it was like, my rice is almost cooked. <laughs> and it was like from then. So like every now, like, it's like one of those like personal ethos and mantras. Like when I come in, we taste the rice to make sure like it has to taste, it has to smell a certain way. And, you know, luckily, you know, my chef to cuisine, Chef Hunter is, is very well, like aware of that smell. Uh, chef Kendra as well is very aware of that smell. So they understand that. And, you know, again, like we've, we've dialed it down. So it's great. You need people like that. Because people that are honest, it sounds like she has a blunt delivery, but obviously like she means well in, in the end. And it actually yeah. is constructive feedback that will lead to the success of your restaurant. So you need people like that in business sometimes. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Yeah, I'd much rather have somebody like honestly give me feedback than to just tell me like it's good. And then to walk away and be like, well, it needed this, it needed that. Because you know, as a cook, yeah, you know, you hear that like the chefs are sensitive and they feel this, and you know, it is the extent, right? Like we're putting, you know, part of who we are out on the plate. But when I ask, you know, certain friends and family or customers that have been loyal and we test out a dish, I'm like, no, give me your brutally honest opinion. Because if you don't, we're going to sit back and be like, oh, it's this, it's this, it's this, we're good to go. Let's launch it. And then along the way of us launching it, you know, we're like, we should have done this. We should have done that. Because my palate is different than my chef's palate. And that's what makes us so unique is that we can kind of come together and say, well, I think, you know, cause, cause now, you know, I kind of went on this whole health thing. I, I had a really bad health scare in May oh, no. and through that process, I've lost about 70 pounds oh, and wow. just getting back healthy, right. Just kind of taking back control of my life. And through that process, like my palate has changed to where salt and sweet are really, really like heavy on my tongue now. So I want to make sure when I taste it and I'm like, Hey, this is super salty. And then you know, I have Chef Kendra, who has a very sensitive palate to salt, be like, no, like, okay, well, then I guess now I'm the sensitive one to salt. So it's a good balance to have an amazing team around me that can just complement each other on those things. It sounds like you have such an amazing support system. And you guys really seem like you've, at least your family too, paved kind of the path in, in San Antonio, because it's, it's interesting when you go into a creative career, sometimes it's not necessarily understood by people who aren't in one because being a chef is, is very no, creative, yeah. you know? So if, if your family sure. like didn't have any of those skills or like wasn't in the business, do you think you would have been able to do this? Do you think you would have still found being a chef and a restaurant owner as your career or maybe something else? 
Yeah, my family's great, but you know, they're also very traditional in the sense of, you know, my mom was like, go to school, get an education, you know, get a degree, get a great job, you know, kind of do that. And I was like, sure. You know, I, I played sports in high school and, you know, of course had, you know, these NBA NFL dreams mm. and, you know, quickly realized, well, I'm five ten, it probably capped out it. You know, my dreams aren't going <laughs> to, aren't, aren't going to hit there from, you know, from the athletic talent standpoint. Uh-huh. And, you know, then, then all of a sudden just school really wasn't for me. And I was just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Started working big box retail, moved up rather quickly, and then was working, you know, 80, 85 hours a week for wow. Lowe's. And I was like, this isn't, there has to be more to life than this. Just didn't know where I wanted to go. My dad, um, you know, my parents are divorced. My dad lived in Houston at the time. I was like, hey, like, let's open up a restaurant. He said, sure, why not? You know, we had some money, thought we had managerial expertise. So we went, hired a chef who was Brazilian, hired a front of the house lady who, you know, was all, was, was about high-end wines. And we wanted to be like upscale Mexican. Now, what does that mean? <laughs> right. But that's what we, that's what, that was our thought. Our thought was like, we're going to be upscale Mexican in Houston. Well, again, so now me and my dad have these different opinions. His expertise was he was a manager at Taco Bell when he was 16 years oh, okay. old. So he has that Fair, it's background in food. I have <laughs> Yeah, I have no background in food. We hired these two people who, you know, again, don't really align with our vision, but we didn't understand that at the time. Sunk in a lot of money. And just after six to eight months, I said, you know what? We're going nowhere fast. Pulled the plug. I said, let's really think about this. A turn of events brought me back to San Antonio. My grandpa had passed away. I was really close to my grandpa and my grandma. My grandma was really sad. I just wanted to be with her. So I moved back. And then was like, hey, you know what? If I want to take this serious, let me go to culinary school. And when I told people I was going to culinary school, my mom and my grandma, who are my rocks, my aces, were like, are you sure? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And they're like, well, you're going to school. So let's just, you know, sure. Let's applaud it. Yeah. Went through all of it. Yeah. You know, you know like, cool, cool. You're, you're going to go get a bachelor's degree. You're going to go back to school finally. Awesome. So did that. Still, when I went to culinary school, the first six months, I was like, I don't think this is for me. Um, through there, I met one of my best friends now, who's, you know, my chef mentor, Chef Greg Williams. And he was like, just stick with it. Cause I went to him and I said, Hey, I think I'm gonna drop out. He goes, just stick with it. There's something there. You have something, just don't leave yet. Okay. And then one day it just started to make sense. And then I was like, okay, knife skills started to come in. You know, I practice at home all the time, cooked little dishes all the time. And then from there, and then, you know, started working at a food manufacturer when I graduated, started working in restaurants and I still wasn't happy. And I was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. My mom and my grandma were like, well, go get a job. And I'm like, I have a job, you know, like I like, I want to be in food. And then I decided in 2018 to branch out and do my own business. So I started Catch the Wave. We were a food pop-up caterer slash farmer's market vendor. Okay. Uh, Catch the Wave, we were going to do drinks. We were going to do gonna drinks. I was going to ask you about that. The name, mm-hmm. yeah, the name only made sense because... I woke up one day and it was like a divine intervention. I had all these friends and family like, hey, you're not happy. You know, you need to do something, do your own thing. You're going to miss the boat. You're going to miss the wave. And Aww. I just woke up and said, no, nah, I'll catch the wave. Aww. And I was like, and the story and, and the name didn't make sense to food, but it made sense to me and my story. So we just went with it. And even at that, right, we opened up in December. We had an amazing December at all these farmers markets. Well, what they don't tell you is January and February, people don't have money. You know, like they don't have that money because of Christmas. They don't have money to spend. Especially if so there are I was birthdays, going to these farmers markets. Like in December, my yeah. sister's birthdays, it's Christmas. Yeah. It's like we're tapped out. 
Yeah, my mom's birthday is January 5th, so I got to make sure I save a little gift for her, you know, like afterwards so we don't all, you know, spend all the money on on the Christmas. So I was going to farmer's markets and making like $30, $40 a week. And I was like, what did I do? Where am I going? And my mom and my grandma were both like, hey, like, go get a job. And I was just like, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stick with it. And then in March of 2019, I was like, you know what? Like, we're not making it. I need to pivot and do something else. There was this big taco fest that came in San Antonio. And I said, you know what? Let's just do it. You know, we had like $275 in our bank account. I said, let's just go all into this festival. I pivoted to a blue corn tortilla because my grandma used to make those. I said, you know what? If I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out on my terms. Went with the blue corn tortilla and then we ended up winning. Wow. And then from there, it was like, oh, well, maybe we have something. And then two months later, we entered in another taco competition and we won that one. And then in October, we were entered in another taco truck throwdown without a taco truck. And we won that one. So it was like, (laughs) okay, well, maybe there's something there. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we were just in a tent. Everybody else was in taco trucks and we were just in a tent, you know, cooking. Uh And and then, um, you know, we win that and, you know, great momentum heading in 2020. We were looking at getting a brick and mortar space and then, you know, COVID kind of derailed all that. So we took a detour. And then um, after COVID, when we were able to jump into a starter restaurant, I decided to switch names. You know, everybody always gives me some crap that I'm known for picking like difficult names, <laughs> like Six in Stone. Again, doesn't really mean anything to like food per, per se, but we did an event for the Spurs. Where we had to do handheld. Um, so Chef Kendra at the time was like, hey, let's do skewers. You know, we really like skewers. We really like handheld. So I said, okay. So Sticks, that's where the name came from. And then Stone, I love everything like ceramic, stoneware, okay. clayware. So Sticks and Stone kind of made through and just kind of made sense for the journey of what we're doing and how we're doing it. So, oh, I no, I like that it, that it means something to yeah. you because honestly, like, <laughs> yeah, no one really cares much about the name. They care about the food, you know. I mean, it's the brand, <laughs> yeah, the you brand, know. But that's, still, like, it's it's people are going for the food. Yeah. They're not going to not go somewhere because the name doesn't make sense, you know. <laughs> for sure, yeah, you know, that's what we that's what we were hoping, and it's worked out so far. So, yeah. Something I'm I'm really learning, and I've I've been told a lot by like entrepreneurs, and honestly, I had a tarot card reading recently. I don't know if I believe most of it, but I some of it. She told <laughs> me this. Um, she was like, "There are people who work really, really hard, and then they they give up right at the point where their success could have turned, or." They just needed to wait like a little bit longer and a little bit longer. And it sounds like you kind of had that epiphany a few times being in culinary school and the the pop-up taco truck. So I'm curious, like what emotions you were going through at the time that made you push yourself? Yeah, definitely. Um, in culinary school, it was, um, you know, it was it was one of those where, I was lost. I say that food saved me. You know, I, I grew up not in gangs, drugs, violence, none of that. Like I had a very loving family. Even, you know, I had my mom and my stepdad, you know, my dad was in Houston doing a great, you know, very loving parents. I, I got out of that, you know, three, um, three sisters and a brother who I love dearly. They're amazing. And I was just, I was just kind of floating aimlessly. Like I, I was about to turn 30 and I was just like, I have no idea what I'm doing. All my life I've been told, you have so much potential, you have so much this, you're gonna do this, you're gonna be great. And I was just standing at the, sometimes sitting, staring at the wall thinking, 
I don't know what that means. I don't know where I'm going. So food really did give me a purpose. The fact that I'm able to cook, create, I never valued myself or saw myself as like a creative person. Like I was never like pen and pad and doodling. I mean, my doodles are horrible. <laughs> you know, if I try to mock up like a plate up or try to draw a building, people are like, what is that? And I'm like, I don't know, but it made sense in my yeah. head. Right. So I was never just like that creative type, or at least I thought, at least in that sense. And food just gave me a purpose. And I think it really just triggered once I really saw like the eyes, the people's eyes light up when they ate the food or just to see them proud of me of like creating something, you know, they were like, oh, well, you're going for it. And that little motivation really just helped me. And I knew that there was something there, like there's just something I can't really explain it, but there's just some kind of just in the pit of my stomach that was just like, kind of like that turning point that they told you that it was like, you're there, you know, you can stop, you know, or you can keep going. Like either way, something's going to happen. You can right. regret it for, for quitting, or you can regret it for actually going for it. So I figured what's the worst that can happen if I just put everything into it, then if it doesn't happen, then it doesn't happen. At least I can sit back and say, you know what? I went all in and, you know, it worked out or it didn't work out. There was no regret. So I mean, even right now, you know, we're we're on the verge of looking for a well, new space. You know, we've outgrown the space we're currently in. That's yeah, funny. thank you. You know, we're eight tables, 36 seats. You know, we're super yeah. small. We fill up really quick. And, you know, it's kind of like that love-hate where our, our regular customers are like, I'm glad you have business, but it sucks yeah. I can't get a table <laughs> on a Thursday night now. And I'm like, just call and make a reservation. You know, like, we got <laughs> you. And so now we're looking into new space and it's a whole nother beast. It's a whole nother set of problems, if you will, a whole nother set of issues that we just don't know. And, um, you know, that keeps me up late at night, turns my stomach all the time. But I feel like, again, like we're there. I feel like once we get this newer space, it's prettier. We have a bar. The vibe is what we want it to be. We get to build it out how we want to build it out. Like it's, it's just something. So like that same feeling I'm talking about, like I have it constantly now because, you know, again, I can sit back and sit where we're at and we can always be this cute hole in the wall, local restaurant, or we can kind of pivot and showcase that, you know, we're, we're a major contender in the city of the San Antonio and the state of Texas. So. It's kind of that like hunger that, that continually drives you and yeah. everyone is trying to find that destination, that purpose. I found that a lot of people when they do reach that sort of success they they tell me that they enjoyed the process of it more and wish they enjoyed the journey of it more but there's so many ups and downs with that and there's so many emotional waves with that I'm like I don't know if I'd want to experience the entire journey again but then at the same time when you sit at success it's like you want more you want more you want to expand because you know that you can do it so it's such an interesting feed because it sounds like you guys are now expanding because you know that the possibilities are there, if that makes sense. No, for sure. I mean, it is. I mean, it's getting back into like TED Talks and, you know, a lot of just motivational speaking and just, you know, self-care, self-help and not just for myself, but for my team as well. Like I'm, I want to be a better leader for them and, and just show that. Cause I mean, there's times, you know, for sure chefs, you know, we, got a little temper you know, <laughs> I've like, heard. we want things right and, and, and you know and the, and the reason being though it's kind of like i was having this conversation with my barber the other day it's like that we're in the industry where we don't have the luxury of making a mistake right like my barber can't just like shave my head or you know cut all crazy and then be like sorry you know and same thing like i don't have the luxury and chefs don't have the luxury of serving you an okay meal right yeah like if we serve you something and it hits your table and you're just like 
well, the plating's off or the flavor's off or it's cold or, and, and I'm not talking about like personal taste. I'm talking about like, I need to do everything on my end to make sure that I send you this dish and know that it's a 10 out of 10. Now, when it hits your table, it's not for your palate, it's not for your palate, but I need to do everything on my end to make sure it looks pretty and it tastes amazing. And we don't get a second chance. Like I can't send it to your table and be like, oh no, no, give me table threes back. I didn't like the way I plated it. Like once it hits, it hits. Yeah. And that's kind of a forever memory, a forever impression. And, you know, that pressure is good and that pressure is bad, right? But, you know, I kind of live for that moment too, you know, the stress of the line, you know, tickets coming in, the tickets not printing, you know, hearing like two top, four top, three top walking in, you know, all of that adrenaline rush really does get it going. But yeah, when you look back and like, even now, just to where I came from when I started this on my own in 2018 to now, and I'm like, man, there's so many times where you alluded to, like, I could have gone left and this wouldn't be here. Right. I could have gone right and this would have been here. And, um, you know, kind of like the twist of fate that landed me on the Food Network is I was sitting at home and my director sent an email and said, hey, fill this out. It's for a, a Food Network thing. And I looked at it, meh, sent it to my team, sent it to my mom. And they were like, fill it out. And I was like, I don't want to, <laughs> you know, and then Sunday night came and they're like, fill it out. The deadline was like at 1159. So here I am, you know, filling out this 30 page essay oh, thing. Gosh. <laughs> and then the next morning I get a call. And they're like, Hey, you know, let's jump on a, let's jump on a FaceTime, you know, let's, let's wow. talk about, you know, you being on the food network. And then from there, it was literally just off of the fact that I don't want to say I quit being lazy, but I quit being lazy, you know, and just decided to fill out something because I never thought that was possible. Right. So, I mean, there's just all these incidents that have come up across the way where, yeah, I mean, you know, I couldn't have been here in this position. So I don't take it lightly. Like every day we push to make sure that we, you know, I'm doing my best because I feel like it can all be gone tomorrow if we stop working. I, I totally agree with that. I have a few points. When you say like the initial memory that people have, you get that one shot. That's what kind of frustrates me about journalism too, because I feel like it's so hard to judge a restaurant on one sit down meal. And it, there's just so many expectations. And that's why I kind of like, the, the higher journalists will go like three or three or four times and, you know, kind of get a feel for it. But not all of us have that luxury, especially if we're just visiting. So the expectation there must mm -hmm. be like kind of daunting. But if you enjoy the pressure and you kind of thrive under, you made me think of the bear, honestly, the bear scene where like <laughs> they were like running around and they had like too many orders. But yeah, if you thrive yeah. under pressure, then that's a good environment for you to be in. But me personally, I think that would very much stress me out because you're being perceived constantly all the time and you know and there's there's a lot of factors like we you know we try to i don't say educate our customer but just like the customer is educating us on like what the new wave of eating is like what what they expect and what they're looking for in food it's kind of the same for us like for instance we had a couple come in not too long mm -hmm. ago and they were fighting oh, no. <laughs> right? and they were fighting and then like they ordered the food and they barely ate the food because they're sitting at the table like fighting you know they're uh. arguing entrees come out everything and then they they leave they they leave the right amount of tip the 20 percent, but they barely touch their food right so we're sitting back like well are we going to get a review off of that right like did that affect us right well then sure enough we get a review saying no. the ambiance was bland the food was this, it was overrated. What? They really wanted to like it. And like, and the only reason I know what their ticket was is because, you know, in their Google review, they put, mm. 
you know, what, what their order was. And so we go and look back. I'm like, well, that's the table that was mad, you know? And like, I can't do that where, you know, again, we have shirts that says like hangry, we can fix it. <laughs> if you come in a little hangry, you know, that's a different story. You're just waiting for the food and we feel we can change your perception. But there's so many external factors that we can't control on how your day is. If your boss, your boss made you mad. If your girlfriend, your wife, your husband, your brother, your sister, your family made you mad, you know, your car's in the shop. There's so many things that we can't control if you're already in a bad mood, but sometimes we can, like, sometimes like you're in a bad mood, you eat our food. And then it's just like, you know, you really made our day. Like our day sucked. You know, we had to take our car across the street. It was going to be $3,500. We came here and just the kindness of your staff, the, the deliciousness of the food really turned our day around. So, I mean, it's, it's a balance. Like you said, I mean, it is that pressure that drives us every time to just make sure like, well, did we do everything on our part? Like, did we make sure we gave the best customer service? Did we make sure we sent out the best quality food? And if that's the case, then, you know, we have to live with it at the end of the day. That's such an interesting point because obviously as a consumer, I'm always going to say if the restaurant has a bad day, then maybe that's why, whatever, whatever. But (laughs) the couple's Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. I've never really thought of it in terms of like their mood and how it affects their experience. That's such a bummer. Did you reply to the comment and be like, sorry, how do you reply to that? And and no, I mean, we, we have a general, like we, we figure that people use these platforms to express how they feel in their moment. And it's their right to express the one thing that we don't like, or me personally, Mm. is like, you can come in and say, I thought the food was bland. I thought the food was salty. I thought the food was overrated. I thought the price was da da da. All of that. That's fine. What I don't like is when we'll have comments, and it's it's a lot of like local, like you know, Facebook restaurant groups in the city Shock. that will sim- sometimes say <laughs> it was okay, but I had to go wash out my mouth. And I'm like, what? see, that's where like you cross a line to us, and it hasn't been to us per se, oh, but really? like we've had one. I just a lie. We've had one. We had one where we served this lady, you know, again on our menu description, pan seared duck hibiscus and pecan mole like that's my baby that dish is like my baby because i love duck i didn't like moles growing up so i went on this quest to fall in love with moles again so like this whole dish and this whole conception is like is my baby so we go out my sister runs my front of the house who's amazing shout out michelle and she comes back and she has the plate and i'm like okay what happened Mm. like where did I, what did I miss? What did, like, what happened? And she goes, the lady didn't like it because, you know, da, 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 da. And I was like, that she knew, you know, she said she liked duck. She goes, well, she says she likes fried duck. Oh. I'm like, but the dish says pan seared duck. And then the lady was like, it was repulsive. And that's where I was like, uh... it's not. Just because something is not how you like interpreted it. On my menu, it says pan seared duck. On my menu, it says everything that goes with it because you misread it and said, well, I thought it was going to be fried. My dish is not repulsive, Uh, right? But again, I can't walk out there and be like, what are you talking about? That's where my ego would be like going crazy. (laughs) You know, but like, you know, because again, on some of those times when I tell these people like, did you actually read our menu? Mm -hmm. You know, but you know, you just kind of smile and nod. And then, you know, of course we rerun her something else. And then, you know, it's like one of the best things she's ever eaten and she's raving about us and can't wait to come back. So 
you know, it is, it is a very fine line when you deal with customers and, you know, I get it. Like customers are tired of hearing, well, prices are rising. Well, staff is short. Yeah. They don't want to hear that. Right. So at the same notion, what we're trying to do is basically say like, cool, we're not making excuses, but also like come to our restaurant as a smarter consumer in the sense is, you know, that like my sister runs the front of the house. Her husband is my chef de cuisine. Okay. Chef Kendra is my girlfriend who was on the line with me. My mom comes in and helps us. My 86 year old grandma Aww. comes in and does dish. One of my best friends who's now a farmer. And I think he was with, he was with me at the festival oh, yeah, yeah. is a farmer. We went to culinary school with together. He helps us spot you. We just hired another great young lady, Crystal, who was one of my students at culinary school. Oh, wow. You know, I taught her and we brought her in the restaurant. So like everybody is connected. It's not just, so when we hear like customer service was bad, I'm like, my sister's the nicest person on this planet. It's, it's not. not her. When we hear, well, we don't know if the dish was like authentic. I'm like, well, my girlfriend, Chef Kendra is from, you yeah, know, what? was born and raised in Japan and she grew up Korean. So like her mom's Korean. You mean to tell me that you're more authentic? Than, you know, so it's, it's always like this, like this fine dance and this fine balance of, of where we're at. And like right now we can control all of that. When we grow, again, when I have 20, 30, 40, 50 people working for us, we're still going to maintain the culture, right? Like we say that we set the culture, you know, we are the culture. We don't set the culture, right? Like what we do day in and day out is who we are. And it's the ethos of the business. And we're always going to be our best, no matter what. Um, there's days where we have bad days as well, but like, we don't, we don't, you know, we kind of use remember the Titans. I'm a sucker for remember the Titans. Like, you know, when they're like on this field, we're perfect. And that's how we feel when we're in this kitchen, we're perfect. When we're in this restaurant, we're perfect. Outside of that walls may be crumbling down. Life might not be going well, but when we're together cooking in this kitchen and serving our customers, we have to be perfect. And that's just what we demand of each other. And, you know, I'm just, again, I'm blessed that they're so good and passionate about what they do that it makes my job way, way easier. Challenging authenticity of people that you don't even know the background of is wild to me. Well, you know, like, like some of the verbiage, like I want to try to change people is like, when they ask me, is it authentic? You know, when I tell them I grew up half Chinese, right. half Mexican, well, is your dish authentic? I don't think they know what that well, means. I'm authentic. <laughs> well, and that's, and that's what I think it is, right? Like, I'm like, well, I'm authentic. Now, if you're asking me, is it traditional? No. Right. It's not traditional. If you're telling me, well, this dish is traditionally in Oaxaca. Well, I'm not creating you that. If you're telling me, you know, my family's from the Hong Kong province. If you're telling me like, well, this is not how I'd get it in Hong Kong. You're right. Because I can't serve you that. What I can serve you is what's authentic to me, right? Traditional versus authentic are two different things. Like traditional means, is it by the book exactly how somebody did it? Meaning like they use their certain water, the certain flour, the certain this, the certain that. So I think all food is going to have some sort of your interpretation on it. You know, your mom probably cooked something for you and you're like, I like that, but I like more salt or I like more pepper or I like more garlic or I like more onion. So does that mean that now that recipe is not authentic because it's not your mom's recipe anymore? So, you know, it's just, it's just that fine line of like verbiage, you know, like, is it authentic? Yes. Is it traditional? No. Yeah, it's a total misunderstanding. And this actually leads to my next question for you. Like, what do you think coming from a, a Chinese and mixed Mexican heritage is the biggest misconception of the, the food and the culture? For me, you know, I'm, I'm South Texas as well. So I'm Tex-Mex and you, you know, you have 
this whole another can of worms over like is Tex-Mex its own food category? And like, I know it's a debate. It is, you know, like this. Yeah, it, it is like, it's not a bad thing. Like it's, it's again, it's a different interpretation of food. And so growing up, it was always like, well, I'm not Chinese enough to be Chinese. I'm not Mexican enough to be Mexican. Mm. And it was just kind of like teetering on this fine line with my family because again, I love Texas barbecue. Right. Oh, who doesn't? So, like smoke, like Southern smoke, so you know, like Cornbread. deep smoke, deep, you know, smoke ring. Yeah. You know, just, just all of that, you know, low and slow brisket for, you know, 12 hours, 14 hours, 18 hours, 20 hours, like fall apart, you know, slices, like everything with that. So in my cuisine, I mix all of that. So, you know, growing up was like trying to take something traditional and then putting my spin on it. And again, when my aunt came into my restaurant, she was like, well, this isn't how I'd serve it. And I was like, well, that's how I serve it. She was like, okay. You know, and same thing on the Mexican side, I'll have Mexican family come in and be like, well, I wouldn't have served it like that. And I'm like, well, that's how I serve it. And they're like, okay. You know I mean? So I think it's just an appreciation. Like if you're, if you're going to a local restaurant, if you're going to a restaurant that has a chef, whether it's family run or, or on a bigger stage, their heart is really coming into this dish. Like they really are putting a piece of themselves on this plate. So it might not be what you're used to, but if you're going for a dining experience, I think you should be fine. Do you find that the word fusion is a word that you like to kind of use when it comes to mixing the two foods together? Or is that something you tend to stay away from? So we use fusion as like a a universal term because then people understand, but also people, it's weird. They interpret fusion as like, again, this isn't a knock on anybody, but this is like, well, oh, you have like, why don't you have um, like kimchi enchiladas? I'm like, well, that's, that's not a, that's not a thing. Like, or like, you know, you should have like a pork bulgogi taco or you should have, you know, a sesame chicken taco or a sesame chicken quesadilla. And I'm like, yes, I get where you're going, yeah. but also like, that's not fusion, you know, right. like. The fusion isn't simply saying like, oh, well, here's an egg roll. Let's put carne guisada into it or let's put brisket into it. Like, is it delicious? Yeah. But I don't know if I'd call that fusion, you know, like that's not like fusion per se. So we we teeter on the line of fusion just by mixing similar ingredients. So what's an ingredient that we take in Asian culture, like a ginger or a lemongrass? And then how can I complement that onto like our roasted tomato chicken on the Mexican side? And by pairing those different herbs and spices and flavorings, then that allows me to say, well, this is a fusion because it's taking these ingredients from this culture, these ingredients from this culture, and we're just kind of blending them. And that's what we do with our duck. Our duck is, you know, Mexican oregano, this, this, uh, you know, Chinese barbecue spice, it gets sous vide, and then it gets finished with the hibiscus and pecan mole. And then in the vegetables, it's ginger, lemongrass, garlic that are sauteed and wok fried with a little bit of tamari. So in that dish, you're kind of getting Mexican flavors and Asian flavors with being a fusion without us outright in your face saying it's a fusion, you know? So fusion, yes, you know, I do use to describe our food just to kind of give people an understanding of what we're doing, that we're not going to be traditional. You know, you can come in and get sesame chicken at my restaurant, but it's my version of sesame chicken. It's not sesame chicken. It still looks like sesame chicken, but it's not going to taste like, you know, the Chinese restaurant across the street. And there's nothing wrong with the Chinese restaurant across the street. We're just, just putting different. our own spin on it. So, yeah, it's just a little, you know, again, just a little bit. And it's not pretentious. Like, it's not to be yeah. like, well, I'm a chef, so I'm doing it. No, no, no. It's just, it's literally how I see the food. And that's what I think a lot of times it's hard for people to understand is 
I'm not trying to plate fancy. I'm not trying to add five, six, seven components to the dish. It just, that's what, that's what I see. And then when you take the bite, you can kind of taste everything all together. And then you kind of takes you on a little bit of a ride of like, oh, there's sweet, there's salty, there's umami, there's bitter, you know, there's everything that just, there's earthy that plays into that palate. And you're like, well, that was good. But in that moment, you're not processing all that. You're just like, oh, that was good. But that's what we're looking for is like that wave, that ride to take you on to show you like, oh, oh, oh. And then, you know, kind of complete your meal. I think the biggest mistranslation when it comes to fusion is that you automatically think, oh, you're just slapping two things together. And that's what it is. Versus like the problem solving aspect and understanding where ingredients come from. I think it's just a a total miscommunication. But I know pretentious foods and I had a dessert with 27 ingredients the other day. (laughs) So 27. Wow. It's a, it's a lot for a, a dessert. You touched upon this. So I want to get into big restaurant bet a little bit. Of course, I have to get a little bit into the food network of it all. Yeah, for sure. So to, to explain to listeners, big restaurant bet, if you haven't seen it, there's a season out. So basically you're chosen out of eight chefs to be on the show. And the premise is that Jeffrey Zakarian, he's an acclaimed chef. He's been on Food Network. If you don't know him. He invests $250,000 to the winner for resources to run their first restaurant, or is it more of just to help you kind of get going? Pre-COVID, it was okay. our first restaurant. And then post-COVID, it became just to help you wherever you were at in your Got path. it. Okay. So you kind of talked about the, what the process looked like. Did you end up uh, like kind of auditioning at all? Or they just called you and were like, hey, you're, you're going to be on it and be here at next time or whatever yeah so it um again so this is you know january 2020 and submit an application and then you know sunday night 11 59 i hit i think i hit send at like 11 56 and i was like okay the next morning i get an email saying hey we need you to jump on a call if you're serious about this if not no worries so like i remember like i hadn't had a haircut i hadn't shaved and you know and i was like trying to run around and figure out all this stuff and get on a call and you know, again, just like a FaceTime and, you know, we talk for 20 minutes and then the lady's like, stop. It's like, okay. She goes, you need better lighting. You need better this. You need this. Like, let's do this. I really like you. So then now we talk for another hour. Like, okay, cool. Two weeks later, they send me another email. Like, Hey, uh, we really like you. Can you send us a, like a demo of you okay. cooking something? If you have any videos of you like on TV. So I sent them, you know, any clips of me, you know, being on local TV, did a quick demo just in my kitchen, just over, I think pickling, oh, I did yeah. pickle red onion. And then they loved it. Cause they were like, Oh wow. The knife <laughs> skills are really cool. And that's kind of why I picked it. Cause I was like, Oh, that's, that should be a good one. You know, I can kind of yeah. show off and, you know, go to town on my onion and you know, all of that. And then March 1st hit and they're like, Hey, uh, you're, 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 you know, you're one of our top candidates. We like everything, you know, they're sending us stuff like block out these dates. Well then mid March, 2020, mm-hmm. we all know what happens. And then from there, it was just like, I don't think I heard from them till maybe the end of April. And they're like, hey, just keep us in the loop about what you're, what's going on. And I'm like, well, kind of like the rest of the world, I'm just sitting at home. You know, I mean, I was teaching, you know, culinary school at the time. So I was an online professor. So doing a lot of just Zoom classes. Online culinary school must have been tough. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. it was different um, because it was, it was a lot of lecture. And then of course, you know, you have eight to 10 shy people sitting behind a computer screen and trying to get them to engage with you. And, you know, it was tough and we try to make it fun. And then, 
you know, try to bring them into my kitchen. I do some, you know, quick demos while they were on. And, you know, I tell them like, this is what I'm cooking for the day. You know, if you want to go buy the ingredients and cook okay. with me or same thing. And that was, that was like how a lot of it was, was like, go to the school, pick up your goods, cook, and then send me a video Got of it. what you're doing okay. type deal. And then just every month they were like, we're just checking in. We're just checking in. I'm like, well, I'm doing the same thing, you know? And then finally it picked up legs. I think uh, my timeline is weird now, like early 2021. And we were, we were already looking at getting a restaurant. And I told That's them, I was I like, was look, Food about. Network sounds amazing. Yeah. Food Network looks amazing, but like, Hey, like I have to move on with my life. You know, is this still okay? And they're like, well, the scope of the show kind of oh, changed. Okay. So you should be fine. So we go through everything and then, um, you know, I get selected and they're like, well, hey, you need to bring a different concept than what's currently open hmm. right now. Okay. And they're like, well, all the menus are submitted. You have to submit something different. So the only thing that at the time I wish I had really realized and thought about is I should have pulled out like my my next concept, you know, which is a little bit more like finer dining in the sense of like, but I wanted to just, I was so engulfed into my current concept that I couldn't let it go. So my menu was a lot of what I was doing currently. And they just were kind of like, well, that's okay, but we'll see type deal. And then we went to shoot the show, you know, in November of 2021. And it was an amazing experience, you know, met seven other amazing chefs, you know, Brett, who I brought down, you know, in October for Culinaria, one of my good friends. I love what he's doing. I love who he is. You know, Mariana out of Vegas. I saw she was just at Super oh, Bowl doing her thing. Um, Alicia, you know, out of Arkansas, she's doing her thing. You know, Demetrius, you know, is back and forth between Arizona and Houston doing her his thing. T out of Virginia is doing her thing. So, I mean, you know, a lot of us, you know, Jessa's and you New Jersey doing her thing and Kobe in New York. So like, like everyone is still actively cooking and still doing it. So it wasn't just like a facade. Like it wasn't just like these people got put together and then they're right. not actually doing anything. Like if you go and look all of us up, we're still in this culinary field trying to make it. So, I mean, the friendship we took out of that, which, you know, was pretty cool. And, you know, of course, all the Food Network, like, well, talk trash about this person. I'm like, well, I just met them yesterday, you know, and like, I yeah. kind of like them, you know? So, um, but just, just to make good TV, you know, we, we had to you know, uh, live it up mm -hmm. a little, but yeah, the whole, the whole situation, you know, Jeffrey Zakarian, you know, Iron Chef, I remember watching, you know, Iron Chef and Chopped when he was a judge with my mom and just all of that stuff. So, you know, to be able to say hello to him and, you know, have these conversations with them and, and get to see what it's like behind the scenes of these big TV shows, um, was really cool. And then again, my producer, you know, Antonio Johnson, you know, shout out Tone. I still talk to him, you know, on the regular. He's a great guy. So just the relationship part of out of all of this is really what, you know, what's been the best part. So I'm so glad you brought up that timeline because I was kind of wondering it because you already had a restaurant at the time that it was kind of going into it. So I was wondering how that worked. I am curious, yeah. though, because you know, you, you're very prideful in your work. You really want to represent your heritage. What were the emotions going through your head when you were sent home? Because you were sent home about halfway through, so you made it pretty far. Yeah. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was a roller coaster of emotions the whole way through getting there, you know, was, was, um, mm -hmm. was, was cool. 
And then, you know, kind of like, well, once you're there, you know, I had a great coach, um, Coach Osterman, growing up, high school basketball coach, and he used to talk about three teams. He was like, you know, you're happy to be there. So if you win, you know, you, it's a celebration. It's a big party. The next team is like, you hope to win. So if you win, you know, you celebrate a little bit. And the third team is like, you expect to win. You know, you go out there, you expect to win. Once you win, you know, you just nod your head and move along. If you lose, you take it to heart, you figure out what you can do to make sure that doesn't happen again because you don't want this feeling. So going through that, I was pretty much very locked in. I was cooking a lot leading up to that. And first challenge we go through, you know, and just spoil alert, you know, first challenge mm -hmm. we go through and it's a dish to yourself. Like what, what dish is you? So we do these blue corn tostadas. That's you right know, up your Pressed alley. out, master made fresh daily. Mm -hmm. Yeah pressed out, do this blue corn, black bean and nopalito puree, pork belly. Like this was like, this was me. This was my introduction to the Food Network. Put that dish out. What they don't tell you is like, you know, or what I want viewers to know is that if they tell you an hour, you have an hour to cook. And it's not just oh, like the three plates you see for the judges. Yeah, you you know, we I think that first one, we cooked like 14, 15 dishes, like our, you know, small bites for everybody oh, in an wow. hour. So I'm like, no, 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 tell the world we did this in an hour because, you know, all of us are sweating and hustling and, you know, going through. So that first challenge we go through, everybody eats it, you know, having a good time. And then when they announced that I won the challenge, you know, they had to bleep me out because I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, like I, I didn't know, like I didn't expect that. Like it was very much like a good feeling. And then from there, it was like, okay, well, now it's like, how do you sustain that? How do you make sure that you always bring forth your best option? And then, you know, just trying to navigate the challenges. And then, you know, when I did get eliminated, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm big enough to admit now, like I should have pivoted and done a different way. But again, like part of what got me to where I am is because I'm stubborn, you know, yeah. part of where I'm at also is because I'm stubborn. So, you know, it's like, I should have pivoted. I should have done something, but I was so fixated on proving a point that like, I can make this delicious that I kind of blinded myself to, I should have done a different dish. So going home was pretty hard. Um, I hated to go home more so because I felt like I let down my friends and my family because I wanted this win more so for them. I wanted them to see that like everything that they pour into me, everything that they've been pouring into me is not a lost cause. So I took it hard for that. But when I came back, you know, everybody embraced me with open arms and, you know, was proud of me. And, you know, when the show aired, everybody was happy. And, you know, it, it just, it hurt to lose for the sense that like, wanted I, I wanted to be there, you know, mm -hmm. like I wanted, to, I wanted to be there because I wanted to show that like everything that we've been doing and like, that validation, so to speak, of like, you actually made it and you actually have done it. But again, everything happens for a reason. And through that experience has made me a better chef, like going through that has made me better because now I know that like, I'm not where I want to be yet. So every day is a true test of like push to where you want to be. Because if not, like, you know, it's not going to happen. So but yeah, so I mean, it, it, it did hurt. I shed a tear. <laughs> I would have too. I would have shed a tear right in that kitchen. Well, with all this stress, I can't deal. <laughs> I mean, I'm really, I'm really good <laughs> under pressure in terms of like deadlines, but with cameras on you too. And then they also want you to kind of be a performer in a way. Like you have to kind of be interesting on the camera. Yeah. It's like, I think it's the fact that there's too many sure. things going on at once. Yeah. I mean, it was a whole different experience. You got a guy like on his knee, like, you know, like a foot away from you, you know, and you're kind of cooking, just looking at him. And then, you know, the minute you start doing something, they're like, 
you know, they're getting on the mic, chef doing something cool, come over here. And then another two cameras run over and you're just kind of like, you know, and then, and then you have a producer shouting at you like talk. And I'm like, I'm cutting a bell pepper right now. Uh, we're going to saute it. And then, then, you know, you hear, we have 30 minutes left. I'm like, okay, I can't talk to you no more. I got to cook. So, you know, it was, it was a, it was a, it was a cool experience. I mean, it, it was definitely a very cool experience to be in that environment and just, you know, you cook for an hour, hour and a half, whatever the time was. And then at the end, you're just kind of like, Oh, okay. Well, let's see if we did enough to make it to tomorrow, you know? And so, you know, it was, again, I have, was I have cool. a real question for you. How long in between do you serve them the food once you finish doing it? Because doesn't it get cold? Yeah. So like th that was the other part of it. Like some we served immediately, okay. but some we served, like, I felt like four or five hours later. Oh my gosh. Um, Cause like we would cook. Yeah. We would cook. And then you'd kind of go through everything and then, you know, you'd get pulled off into different rooms for interviews and, you know, talk to different people. And then you don't know, like, did they eat my food when it was hot? Because sometimes you would like immediately, like 30 minutes later, we'd hear like, oh man, they really enjoyed your food. So you're like, oh, okay, cool. Well, they did eat it. And then other times we'd look and be like, is that our food that's been there for five hours? So you know, I, I don't really know the true scope of it. Like some of the challenges, like where we did like presentation wise and everything we cooked, we set up for presentation and then we served them. So like some of that was like true food on the spot, but a lot of it was just 20, 30 minutes, maybe an hour. I don't know. It just kind of depends. You know what though? Honestly, they're pros, especially Jeffrey. He probably eats it with that in mind. He probably is like, this would be a yeah. little better. And that's thought. what they told us. They, they basically told us like, hey, like, don't worry about that. Like, we understand. It's not like, I guess, like a restaurant customer, you know, coming in. And it's not like I cooked this food at 10 o'clock. And here I am serving them the same plate that I played it at 12 o'clock. And they're like, well, it's cold. It sucks. Well, yeah, of course it does. It's two hours later. So, you know, I, I think a little bit of leeway came in with that. So, yeah, yeah. I was going to say a little bit earlier in terms of you being like disappointed and kind of letting down your friends, which obviously you very much did not do. I know everyone wants to like the big wins and like, who doesn't? I mean, everyone wants to celebrate. Everyone wants the trophy, whatever it is. But I would argue like since then, it's been like the small victories that you kind of have to pay more attention to, especially if someone comes in and like you said, you change their mood and make them happier. It's like those things where you, you can take with you a little bit longer and you know that you're actually making an impact versus like a one-time win. No, for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's, it's hard to say that. You know, it's always like... good to get that. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. It's always good to get that big one. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've, again, through that, you know, through Food Network and Big Restaurant Bet, you've kind of helped launch me in San Antonio a little bit. You know, just this past summer, I was named one of the UNESCO Chef I Ambassadors saw. for the city of San Antonio. Uh -huh. Yeah. So, um, which is pretty cool. So, um, I know, I'm not sure when this one's going to air, but actually mid-March you're sending me to China for a food no festival. Way. So yeah, I'll be in, Ch yeah. So I'll be in China for about seven days on this big food festival. Um, you know, there's 10,000 Chinese chefs that they're going to have cooking and they're going to try to send a Guinness book of world records. So, you know, I'll have a plaque for that. So, you know, because of some of those things, which gave me the confidence to push for bigger and better has been cool. So, you know, just being a part of that, being a part of the UNESCO, you know, chef family, the network of it all. Visit San Antonio has done an amazing job, you know, bringing people to us, you know, just highlighting who we are, highlighting what we do. So, yeah, I mean, awesome. I, again, I, I can't complain, 
you know, I can't complain. I mean, there's a lot of great things that have been happening. And, you know, you know, once we get this new space, you know, kind of, you know, our whole thing is manifestation, you know, we're pushing for James Beard because as you again, should, we, we want that, that with us, you know, not, not as a personal thing, but just to show that like, you know, we can serve a quality product um, that's on a recognized on a really global scale. And, you know, people can identify with that and then give us the opportunity to serve them. Cause I mean, that's a big thing, you know, it's like, all we need is somebody to come through the door. I feel like once you come through the door, we can get you hooked, but it's hard to get you to come through my door right now. Um, or just any restaurant because there's so many to choose yeah. from, you know, I'm pretty sure right now you get asked all the time, like, Hey, where are we going to eat? You know, all the cool places and you, you're pretty sure you're like, ah, uh, exactly you know, we have family coming in town next week. You're like, where are we, <laughs> <laughs> like, where are we going to eat? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. Like, do they want to go to the hole in the wall that we like, you know? So I mean, just having that recognition on a on a global platform is what we're looking for to just bring more butts in the seats. You know, I just want to make sure that, you know, when we say we want to be rich, I just want to be comfortable to where all my team has, you know, a great livable wage. All, my, all the rest of my team is taken care of. I want to be able to take a vacation when we want to take a vacation. I want to be able to give rest days when we want to give rest days. Like that's the richness that I'm looking for. I'm not looking for a 5 million in the bank. I'm looking for if I need to take a mental health day or my team needs to take a mental health day, like we can afford to do that without feeling guilty. And, you know, right now it's like, we're in the middle of the grind at like, you can't because you have to be consistent. You have to make sure that you're there all the time, whether you want to be or not. So we're just trying to navigate that fine balance. And, you know, that's, that's my goal. You know, that's where I want to be in a couple of years is my team is, you know, fully functioning, they can run it and I can work on other concepts and then I'm able to give them breaks. when You are a good boss. A lot of higher bosses um, don't give a crap about that. <laughs> I mean, you know, just, you know, my, my mom is a teacher, you know, and then, you know, my dad worked mm -hmm. in retail and then my stepdad, you know, worked civil service and like, they just really instilled in me that ethos and values. Like, you know, like, I'm going to be hard on my team. My team will tell you, I mean, I'm tough on them, but the reason I'm so tough on them is because they're that good. And it's not tough in the sense where I'm nitpicking. It's just perfection. Like if we can run at one and a half times speed, I'm going to run at two times just to see if we can get it done. Right. Just like other chefs push me and other people push me. I want them to see that they're better than they think they are because I believe in them. Just like somebody believed that I was better than I was. And and that's all it is. It's just, it's just making sure that I take care of my people. Cause I feel like if I take care of my people, my people will take care of our guests. And then in return, the guests will take care of mm -hmm. all of us. Sometimes people just need someone behind them to unlock their potential. And when it comes to food, for sure, the, the beauty of it is that you can push yourself to like these insane limits that you didn't even know that you can get to, you yeah. know, it's just like, especially in, in creative spaces like that and with business too it's there's such a, like a combination of both it's just like you have so so much potential and possibility that like sometimes you just need someone to be in your ear saying like that you can do it and, and someone to motivate you in that way so that's wonderful that you're a mentor like that to them yeah, i'm sure they sure. appreciate that and and take it to heart for sure no thank you yeah i mean they they do i mean they Again, they're great. I, I just want to give them the world. I just, my biggest thing is I just always want to return to courtesy. Just return to courtesy, no matter how big, no small, just to show them that I care. I mean, that's just in general with anybody. I mean, again, when you asked me to be on this, I was like, heck I yeah, know, you know, like that. just trying to figure out the schedule of it all. I was like, I was like, heck yeah. You know I mean? Again, meeting you at the festival and just having people who 
within our city or outside our city who come in and love good food and then appreciate what you're doing is just it's just again it's just cool so it's it's always fun to be on something like this because you know you could just kind of share your story get to have conversation with somebody who loves food and you know it, it's just a different vibe you know when you get to be meet somebody and converse about food in their life because it's like yeah you understand you know like what it takes to be in food and what what chefs go through and what restaurants go through. So it's, it's always I, cool. I love getting to the core of people because I feel like I just meet, and, and this is just in life too, you meet so many people in passing and you have no idea of their story at all. There's no indication of anything. Yeah. And people have so many insanely cool stories that I feel like people would enjoy listening to, but sometimes it gets overshined by like, especially in media, like bigger celebrities or whoever. And it, it's sometimes that you just need to, you need to spotlight the not necessarily smaller people, but people who are just doing good work. Quick question for you though. Is the China thing, because this is going to air next week. So is the, is that something that's public knowledge? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's public knowledge. Yeah. So yeah, I'll be in Shundi, China, you know, mid-March doing a food festival. So you know, hopefully, you know, trying to go through all the security briefings with all of that and oh like, my gosh. what I can take, what I can't take recording, not recording. So that's, that's, that's the part that's like, it's like, oh, wow, this is, yes. this is a little different, you know, than just traveling across the state. Yeah. So. Can you bring like, cause you're going to need some of your chef stuff. So I'm sure you have knives that you have, feel like you have to bring. Do you have to check all that? Yeah. So like with the visa and all that, like I have to itemize exactly what I'm wow. bringing. Um, so that they know. So I'm not going to take my, like my babies. I'm not going to take my, you know, my pride and joy knives. I'm going to take the knives that, you know, that are my workhorses that, you know, if something happens like, yeah, of course I'll be sad to lose them, but you know, I'm not losing my, you know, thousand dollar knives. No, or anything like yeah, that. no, you couldn't. That'd be your pride and yeah, joy. So. Normally I kind of ask what's next for you, like any upcoming projects, but I feel like you kind of said everything. I mean, you're, you're trying to find another space for your restaurant. You're doing this crazy trip. You're a chef ambassador. Is there anything else you'd like to share anything going on or is, did we cover all of it? No, I mean, those are the main things. I mean, and and the other thing I'm getting into is just, um, you know, trying to be more, um, I guess, give an insight to like daily lives and like chef stuff. Like I I'm working on, like quick and easy tips. Um, like I do a just a tip Tuesday, you know, kind of on my business channel right now where we just give, you know, people come into the restaurant or their DM us and they're like, you know, how do you make, you know, how do you make a vinaigrette? So we just do a quick video on how to make a vinaigrette or, you know, I have a party coming up and I need to do 30 hors d'oeuvres, you know, how do I do that? Or what do I do? And just, just little things like that, that I feel like, um, I just want to get back to people. Cause again, I remember starting out and having no clue, you know, my mom was like, Hey, I have, you know, 15 ladies coming over. Can you make something? And I'm like, I don't know. So I'm like, how do you make, you know, small bites for 15 people? So I remember looking through all that and finding different YouTubes or finding different social media platforms that had chefs or, you know, just home cooks, whatever alike, and I'm like, you know, they're doing a really good job at it. And, you know, they just have a passion for food on the home cook side. Well, what if I marry like my professionalism and my passion and just give like my voice into this space? So working on that, working with the team to get those kind of up and running and just, again, have fun. You know, maybe maybe I'll do a podcast and I'll have you on Yay! as my guest. Yeah. We can hear your story. Because again, like, again, I love stories. I think like just being able to tell somebody's story and 
highlight them and give them their flowers and showcase what they're doing is cool. So, you know, I love what you're doing. So, you know, I've been trying to listen to podcasts while I'm prepping oh and you know, just hang out and just show support and love. So I hope know. you like it. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So far, all the ones I've listened to are great. So, Yay. you know, we try to do that, change it up from just, you know, the, the always the, the hip hop, the rap in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes Chef Hunter throws on Taylor Swift because he, he says that she's full of bangers on the album. So <laughs> I'll let Chef Hunter throw Taylor Swift on she every now and then. She does have things. Other than that, you can't you know. deny she doesn't have things. <laughs> <laughs> He'll love to hear that. He'll love to he hear does. that. does. I so. grew up on her. I can't say that I don't love her to an extent. <laughs> She's my childhood. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's funny because like we were talking about it, and I don't understand why she gets so much hate about the whole being shown on TV. I it's think not her She's fault. just supporting her boyfriend. I have no issues with that. And uh, But we were just listening to music, and, and we are going through, and he was like, Taylor Swift has bangers. And I was like, okay, hold on. I don't know if we can use it in this context of us talking about like the top five, you know, MCs of hip hop. But like, I, I get, I agree. She has some good music, but so that just now that's kind of just our running joke that's that, funny. you know, him and Taylor Swift have bangers <laughs> together. So, you know. That's so funny. I actually watched when I was watching the Super Bowl stuff, I was watching the Eminem and Snoop Dogg and like Dr. Dre performance. That performance is insane. I forgot how good it was. Yeah. Like people, more people need to watch that again yeah. because that that has yeah, bangers. For sure, speaking for sure. Of, that was such <laughs> a good one. One hundred percent, I agree. <laughs> I have a short game for you if you're up for it. Kind of get a little lighthearted. Okay. Um, so it's like a little lightning round popular food trends and then you're going to say if it's like a smash or pass kind of deal okay gotcha so first one mexican hot chocolate oh smash same so good second one flavored margarita so like mango or strawberry like kind of flavored i'm a sucker for fruits like that and like you know my girlfriend gets mad at me all the time. Like I like the girly drinks. I mean, don't get me wrong. My old fashioned is my drink of choice, but like if I can get like a strawberry or mango margarita, or if you can mix the two, yeah, that's a smash for me. I like, I like cold icy drinks like that. I don't know. It's just one of those life cycles I'm in right now. So yeah. <laughs> no, I have a problem with people who knock men for drinking quote girly <laughs> drinks because they are delicious for a reason. They make you feel like you're like on the beach or on a vacation and they're very good. So mango margarita all day. All day. I agree. Yeah. I actually, oh, this was a sidetrack. I was going to ask you for your videos and stuff. Is that going to be on Instagram or yeah. like YouTube? So oh, okay. Instagram and then, and then hopefully pairing that with like a YouTube and even like a TikTok. So that's what I just switched over social media people and we're bringing it more in-house <clears throat> just to try to control it um, in the sense of like shoot the videos when it's more convenient for us versus somebody else's time and then, mm-hmm. you know, control the editing function. So we're, we're in a learning stage of all that right now. So hopefully we have some on there right now that we've done in the past. Hopefully in about two to three weeks, we'll launch that with the, with the whole revamp look. Okay, cool. Yeah, because I um, my video last night, so National Margarita Day is next week. Mm. And I thought that was common knowledge. So I like posted no, this TikTok. I, I was like, National Margarita Day. It literally blew up. There's, it's gotten like 400,000 oh, wow. views. And people are like, National Margarita Day. I'm like, did no one know about this? This is crazy. <laughs> so... Then that's why I put margaritas in here because I was like, people need to know about this. So 
this will go up next week. February 22nd is National Margarita Day. Okay. Well, now I know. So now I got to get something prepped for a National Margarita Day. Thanks for that. Yeah. Yeah, you do. You do. I'll point them to your restaurant, honestly. <laughs> and then you're going to, you're just going to get flooded. <laughs> okay. The third one is Berea Tacos. Those blew up on TikTok. Yeah, they blew up. And like, thing about it, and the controversy down here was like, is it true media? Is it true this? Is it true that? Is a consomme? El Remedio, which is a food truck now turned into uh, this amazing brick and mortar here in the city. They do a phenomenal job. And there's a lot of other spots that do phenomenal jobs with it. And I mean, again, I, I think being down here in South Texas, I'm a little biased. I mean, that's a smash. I mean, they're amazing. Mm. Like, there's nothing wrong with them. Like, so it's good. cheese, it's, you know, beef, it's saucy, it's, you know, it's it's delicious, you know? Like, you can sit there over a conversation and kill 12 without even realizing it. So, you know, they're, yeah, they're definitely a smash. I ordered one when I was there. I didn't feel like Did going you? out to yeah. dinner, and I was like, I need one so bad because I just feel like it'll be so good here, and it it lives up to my expectations. It was delicious. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Fourth one, hot Cheetos. See, I'm not. That's where I would pass. Um, I'm not. I've never been a hot Cheeto person. I know probably South Texas is gonna you know slaughter me for that Come comment, for but. <laughs> I just like, I don't do hot Cheetos. I don't do really hot fries. Like there's just something about it that just doesn't sit right with my stomach, but you give me Cheetos, whether it's puffs, the natural, the regular, like I'll smash those all day, but yeah, hot Cheetos or hot Funyuns or anything like that's a pass for me. The puffs are so underrated. I forgot about those. They, I used to, that's like, that's my travel snack. Yeah. We go to Bucky's and like we drive to Houston, Dallas, wherever. Like that's, that's my, that's my ultimate travel snack. Oh, I need to switch up my travel snacks. I honestly <laughs> either forget to bring food or I have a granola bar and that's boring. No one, no one likes that. <laughs> All right. My fifth one. Do you remember um, nacho tables when people would like put nachos on like a giant table pretty much and then everyone would just share it? Yeah, that um, that's always an interesting one for me. We actually like a couple of years ago, we actually got asked to do like a nacho table and I didn't realize oh, really? that they wanted me to like have like cheese kind of like running through the middle of the table, like a volcano-esque. And oh. I was like, yeah, I can't do that. So we did a really nice nacho bar where people were able to kind of build their own. That I'm a fan of. And like, I'm a fan of like butter boards too. You know, that whole trend of like, you know, where you put different butters on a board and different breads. So like, you know, I think that trendy food has a place. It's just hard like to do that all the time. But yeah. So like, if it's like a nacho bar where you can build your own, I'm all for it. If it's like, again, where this lady wanted me to recreate like, you know, land before time where nacho cheese is running through (laughs) and, you know, little dinosaur chips, that one is a pass for me, but. Wait, I just had, if any Food Network people want to pick this up, I just had an idea. If they do like a Buddy Velastro cake version of nachos, I think people would watch that. (laughs) I think so too. I think so too, for sure. (laughs) Call up your producer friend. They're going to be like, why are you telling me that? Pitch the idea. You're really like, no. Okay. My final question for you to wrap up everything if there's one cooking appliance or utensil that you think everyone should splurge on, what would it be and why? So the one cooking utensil that I think everybody needs, if they're taking cooking seriously, is a mm-hmm. scale. I think that a scale is super underrated. Mm-hmm. 
um, especially if you're doing like any home baking, I would do it in grams, but even just cooking in general, get a scale. And if it's not for that, if you're doing a home cook, a high quality nonstick pan, our place sells some good ones, Maiden sells some good ones. I mean, you can get all clad, you know, you can go with like the traditional brands if you're going more of that style. But I think having like a good pan um, really does separate like good and mediocre cooking. Um, I remember when I first started to cook, I went to Walmart and bought, oh, and a knife. I guess I'm answering your question like in like 10 parts. I apologize. You said <laughs> one and here I'm giving you a whole list. But, you're good. Um, you're good. You know, I remember like going to like Walmart and buying like a Paula Dean knife, you know, 15 years ago because that was like, oh, I have like a good knife and then actually getting a good knife and realizing, oh, that knife sucked, but it was better than what my mom had. So, you know, I think, I think if you're going to do any cooking, I'm not saying that you need to splurge all this money on it, but just kind of invest in one or two good tools at a time. And, you know, I've really, you know, I love a good nonstick pan, which just makes cleanup so much easier and you can cook anything and everything into it. And then, you know, having a good quality knife because, the knife makes all the difference in cutting mm -hmm. like a carrot or a potato where you're not having to like really push down and you're not having to do all this extra work, which, you know, your wrist will tw twist out. I've seen so many just bad knife injuries because of a bad knife or a dull knife in the kitchen. Like, yeah. you know, we do, we do a knife test like every other week with all of our cooks and like, let me see how sharp your knives are. And if they're not, you know, you know, we're, we're trying to think of something fun. We might make them do like five pushups or something if they're not sharp. But now everybody's, you know, sharpening their knives every week. And again, it's just just caring for your craft. So if you love to cook, you know, buy a couple of good appliances, you know. And then once you start getting into a little bit upper scale, I say like an immersion blender. I can't live without my immersion blender. I just you know, bought so. my dad one of those and he's obsessed. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I, I mean, I just bought a, a KitchenAid cordless one and I'm like, oh, like I, think I don't that's have to what plug I it him. in. Yeah, yeah, I don't have to plug it in. Like I just charge. Well, yeah. now if I forget to charge it, that's a whole other story. But yeah. <laughs> you know, once it's charged, it's you know I can just kind of move freely with it around the kitchen. It makes life so much simpler for soups and sauces and everything. If it's not charged, you're gonna have to do five push-ups or a lap or something. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I I um just got a really good nonstick pan. I went to a, an event at our place recently, and I was hoping they would give me a lot of stuff for free, and that did not happen. <laughs> so. I hope they listen to this and send me things, please. For sure. <laughs> I really want send stuff. Yes. <laughs> Not to yeah, be no, one of I those just, people, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, we have like they started off with my mom buying me one for Christmas last year, year before, oh, and nice. um, and then I never used it. And like my mom came over one day and was like, "I bought you this," and I was like, "Okay." So then, like <laughs> that day, I like took it out of the box and washed it and then used it, and I was like, "Oh, we really like this," and then. So from there, it went from buying one to another big one. So now we have two small ones. So now the pot, so now the steamers. So, you know, just what the collection has grown. What color? Uh, so we have, I have a blue one in the okay. in a big one. I have a blue one and a smaller. And then we have the Lunar New Year from last year, the red. Oh, And the nice. big pan like and the one. big pot. And then um, for Christmas, I just bought my girlfriend some of the Selena Gomez set. So I've got her one, one of the colors. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so. Again, our place, you know, we're looking to show us some love. Like we'd all use some love. We we love your product. I can show you everything. We bought it. So, you know, <laughs> technically we're just saying if you want to send us one or two things, we're not mad at it. So. One or two things. Yeah, you already know the product. You can put on your TikTok. We're we're getting brand deals here. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's the deal.
<laughs> well, thank you so, so much. I know I kept you over an hour and you have to go to your restaurant, I'm sure. So. Oh, no, it's all good. Yeah, I mean, we blocked out time for this on purpose. It was great to you know okay. be able to sit down and chat and not have to like look everywhere for every yes. five seconds. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Honestly, your background's incredible. I think you should do a TED Talk. I stand by that. I think you're a really great speaker. So oh, thank you. TED Appreciate Talk it. too, if you're listening. Just <laughs> All right. So you, sure. you can follow up with Chef Leo's latest projects on Instagram at Chef Leo Davila. Is there any other Instagram or social media? Because I know that's coming out soon as well. Yeah, so my personal and then um, our business at Sticks and Stone. So it's S-T-I-X-S and S-T-O-N-E. Um, see what our food looks like. Come If you're ever in San Antonio, please come and check us out. We'd love to have you. Yes, I have to come back. That's my goal. For sure. Hey, fellow foodies. Thanks so much for listening. And don't forget to leave me a review. While you're at it, make sure to follow me at Living for Food Pod on Instagram or TikTok or email me at livingforfoodpod at gmail.com. Let me know what you're cooking up this week, which guests you would like to see on the podcast, or tell me your opinions on the latest viral food trend. And in case you're just joining me, there is an entirety of season one ready and waiting for you. Until next time.